Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty and this is Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne, episode number six. Today I'm with a very interesting architect, uh, Oliver Dupuy. Um, Oliver, you may not have heard of him, but he's he's slowly um, building up a, a reputation in Melbourne. But his, his CV is quite impressive, not quite, very impressive. I won't embarrass you, but I will. Um, you, after graduating from university, you, you did your postgrad at the Architectural Association in London, and then you've worked with uh, uh, Sir Norman Foster and also uh, Junior um, Ishigami, Ishigami yep. uh, who's doing the Serpentine uh, competition, the gallery in Hyde Park this year for the European Summer. Yeah. Amazing experience for such a young, you know, relatively young, uh, young age. Um, Oliver, tell me a little bit about your experience working in Tokyo, because that obviously has had an effect in terms of the way you think, in terms of the projects you've done in Melbourne. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, one of the great things about architecture is it's, a, it's such a global language, a global discipline. So it, I, I think I'm generally quite an adventurous person and um, uh, working and studying in different countries was, was, was a good way through architecture to experience, you know, different cultures and, and uh, Tokyo was certainly one of them. Uh, you also work with Kengo Kuma in Tokyo. What is it about the Japanese architecture uh, that you kind of feel like you're bringing back home? Because you are this, in the work that I've seen so far, there is that strong uh, Japanese aesthetic, but also the the consideration for size. I mean, their idea of scale and our idea of scale is just opposite end of the the planet yeah yeah um i think in australia and in europe yeah. and north america i guess yeah. we're, we're sort of catching up but in in japan they've, they've certainly in tokyo they've been doing a lot with not much space for a long time um and uh you know those sort of constraints make make designers and architects you know particularly innovative in in how they um how they use space and have you know multiple uses or flexible uses for the for the one you, one uh, space. Um, Oliver, you recently completed a house in South Yarra that reminded me of where Neo Metro were in the 80s, not in terms of the architecture, because obviously... That was pretty cool, though. It was yeah. cool, and I think the 80s is coming back. But in terms of rediscovering um, land that is generally not used, I mean, in, for, it's in a street called McKellip Street in South Yarra. It backs backs off uh, Malvern Road, and it yep. was the back garden of a shop. And yeah, it was. It was. So it's a, it's a, um, a row of Victorian um, uh, shop-top uh, retail um, dwelling, mm. retail on the ground, dwelling on top, with very deep blocks um, that have, you know, large rear car parks. Yes. And um, the... My my client, um, my first client actually, uh, had known that I'd been in in in. In fact, it was whilst I was in Tokyo, I was interested in in um, uh, sort of Japanese architecture and had some sort of early Tadao Ando uh, precedents and thought this would be a bit of fun. Um, and he didn't really take it too seriously and just thought, you know, he's a risk taker, he's a he's a, a financial uh, high frequency trader guy, and he's just you know. Uh, See what you can do with this, um, uh, and uh, off I went. So it, it was it was yeah seventy square meter parcel of land, 
access from the rear lane. Access from the rear lane, yeah. And formerly just the where the rubbish was kept. Pretty much, yeah. And that's exactly what, yeah, exactly, rubbish was kept. And most of the other dwellings, that's still where the old car is parked and where rubbish is kept. Why is it? Because this is an interesting, because it's only 4.2 metres wide. Yeah. It's tiny. And yet it, you've created three levels, correct? Correct. Car, off-street car parking, yeah. three levels. Uh, why don't other people s- see that opportunity? Because... It is an opportunity when you're in that townhouse and you look towards the uh, South Yarra suburbs, it's all very leafy and green, lush, lush, it's north-facing, ideal orientation, Mm. yet why don't other people see that? I mean, Neo Metro, I've used them as an example, they took up the laneway in the 80s. Why is it that shop fronts with all these, you know... Yeah, we should should, should do more. I think uh, perhaps the subdivision process and the... Um, the cost of, of of subdivision, the cost of construction, uh, sort of is is a bit of a barrier, and, and I think um, people perhaps can't imagine um, a, a sort of a home or, or, or something of substance where rubbish used to be kept. You know, so um, and hopefully this project goes some way in showing. You know, there's there's not yeah. just this, there's there's, there's lots around, but um, it, it goes to show. Look what you can do. You can get lots of natural light. Um, in you can create some sort of monumentality at a residential scale, and you can create a beautiful, you know, a beautiful series of you know ritualistic spaces, which which is sort the of what other I've thing, tried to do. Um, Oliver, the other thing that's quite interesting is that, uh, as you mentioned in a previous conversation, you said, look, it, it's next to another garage and these apartments that are fairly bland, mm. so it kind of had to be strong. Mm. It couldn't be insipid. It had to really pack a punch. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Is it just the way you looked at the expression of that building? It had to be really strong, even though it's four point two meters wide. Yeah. No. Exactly. So, so something more lightweight, or, or um, you know, I, I could have designed something you know very beautiful, but without the 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 impact um, that this building has, it's built all of, of uh, in situ concrete or a combination of precast and in situ concrete, and uh, I guess I've tried to bring in some sort of um, civic sort of monumentality to a, on a residential scale um, that is both you know beautiful and interesting to, to look at, but also functionally um, is punctured in a way that that maximises the northern orientation and gets light you know penetrated right into the building. The other thing is it's very I suppose it's it's extremely minimal, very Japanese in that very stripped back aesthetic, very yep. tater, uh, very. Um, is that because of the width of the site? Is it you just felt if you put too much in, you're kind of, you know, you feel it's a bit claustrophobic. Claustrophobic. Yeah, Yeah, in in part, yeah. Um, It it was also the the client's desire that that this space be um, somewhere that was de-stressing and calming. Um, He had an interest in in more minimalist um, architecture. Um, And... Uh, so really, it was it was constructed in, in a way that as one moved up the building, um, it, it went from more public spaces and and sort of a home office arrangement opening up to a courtyard, up to a, a living room, dining room, kitchen, and then the the, the, the third floor is the sort of the, the master bedroom, yeah. um, and master bathroom, um, all, you know, all with beautiful views and and lots and lots of natural light, um, but you know he he. He wanted somewhere. He's sort of based overseas, and he wanted somewhere that that hmm. 
uh, you know, cal- calmed and de-stressed. Um, I think that's uh, what I noticed when I went. In a there. very spiritual home, it yeah. was, you know. Very, and and I suppose that's where your Japanese experience comes in. It's very calming, and the Japanese do that beautifully. They just have a sense of knowing what to include as importantly as what not to include. Absolutely, and, and that reduction of what is really essential, um, uh, I think, is, is quite in vogue in, you know, yeah. in, in, in living in, in general now. But um, I think if it doesn't add value to your why life there it? and then why have it, um, that's not to say you don't have beautiful things in this home. There, there, are, you know, there are beautiful things scattered around, but, um, but it is how can we reduce this element to its core essentials? Mm. Um, the other house that you've done recently, and it's, it's quite public in a sense because it's in a very prominent part of South Yarra in Melbourne, is in Park Street. I'd have to say it's probably uh, one of the most uh, significant heritage-listed streets in Melbourne. It's predominantly two-storey terraces. Mm. Um, some are grand, some are quite modest, but very much intact. There's probably only half a dozen new houses in the entire street, mm. and that includes, you know, this apartments from the 20s. And um, so you started off with a little Victorian terrace and the client um, could have just had a, a, um, a very easy time and just said, look, Oliver, just renovate it. Um, quite happy, just put on a glass box on the back and that would be enough. But what happened with that? It wasn't quite so right. So that was, that was the initial idea and um i was you know very happy to do that um but both the client and i did some research into the you know what once once the uh, he'd purchased the the property did some research into in, in, into it and realized that it, it was a, a, a mock victorian it had been um completely demolished in the 50s um uh, and then again rebuilt in the Victorian style in the 80s. So there was only really the facade that was... Not even the facade. Nothing was... That was Nothing was original. Everything was copied. So there was no... There was barely a brick in the building. So it it, it was not not at all... There was no heritage value whatsoever. Um, Because I'm all... all, You know, I'm not into demolishing heritage buildings. Um, I love heritage buildings. Uh, But anyway, that that gave gave us the opportunity to to pursue a a new two-storey form... um, uh, in this sort of 19th century streetscape. So how do you do that? Because there's a lot of feathers that would have been ruffled. Uh, in yeah. put, because uh, they would have said, oh, no, it's a Victorian house. You're pulling down a Victorian house. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's difficult. And from, from, from my perspective as the, as the, the architect, it's, it's also there's the weight of history, um, you know, on either side. Um, and so to uh, propose something uh, similarly, this this client wanted wanted something fairly bold and timeless that that looked like it had been there for a long time, but he, he didn't want to mock, he didn't want to uh, reproduce the uh, past. reproduce the the past. And nor does nor does the 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 council, this council, yeah. the city of Melbourne council, they're, they're um, uh, proponents of of offering you know contemporary architecture that's yeah. projecting to the you know that's reflecting our times are projecting projecting to the future um but yes of course the neighbors and uh, and the, the street you know up in arms were up in not all but so, but some of them were up in arms and so there was a process um to to show um the various techniques um uh, or, or the, the various efforts that had been made to um uh, to follow the the, the rhythms of, of of the Victorian tripartite sort of typologies that were prominent in the street, um, 
and uh, and and sort of the referencing of materials and and so on and so forth. That that, that yeah. It must make it hard though when you uh, when you design something, uh, you don't expect praise, but you know you must take it personally. <laughs> Yeah, when people yeah. start objecting, going, we don't want that, you know, yeah, it's yeah. ugly and I don't want that and it doesn't reference that, even though you put it in very eloquent terms, they mightn't see exactly the ideas behind it. No, no. Um, no, it's it's hard. It's, it's hard and even now I go, I go past it's all about to finish and... and you know, it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful bold building, um, uh, and and you know it's de- it's devoid of ornament, so so as not to detract from the Victorian mm-hmm. features of its neighbours. Um, but uh, I've used a beautiful handmade uh, Danish brick um, that uh, that's probably closer to the sort of some of the modernist work of Robin Boyd in the area, more so than the Victorian um, houses. Um, so it does pr- provide a beautiful counterbalance to the to the to the crisp white Victorian mm. forms that are a lot more ornamental. But um, I guess it's not it's not going to be for everyone. But yeah. but uh, you know it's 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 a it's a contemporary home um, that's, that's that's trying to be sensitive to its to its context. Uh, Oliver, how how much time does it extend once you a client makes that decision to go to VCAT? Uh, because it does happen. Yep. Um, what time period are you generally looking at? You know, I mean, if you would have just done the glass box on the back, you would have got it through. You would have had it built. Yeah, this what was probably the delay? One or two years at least. Yeah, it's a long time. Long time, probably two in the end. Um, so that's yeah. a long time to so really. So it'll be f- almost five years to, the, to from start to finish. So yeah. are you still on good terms with the client? <laughs> um, it's been a long journey, but no, we're on good terms. I think they're very they're very excited to move in. That's for sure. Um, uh, very yeah. patient, obviously. Very patient. Uh, they live around the corner there, there every morning, pushing the builders along, and yeah, they're, they're they're thrilled of how it's turned out, and I think they're just dying to move in. Um, you also recently, Oliver, did a renovation to a very significant building, the Maples. Uh, a Furna, firm, furniture, furniture factory. Yeah. And the first residential conversion in Melbourne by yeah. Hayball and Gunn. In the mid seventies, yeah, I think in the first in Australia, actually, it um, is. Uh, yeah, beautiful building, um, beautiful red brick uh, warehouse building um, that's sort of borders the Botanic Gardens in in, in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, well, beautiful space. What's it like? With. What's it like working with history? Because it is its own history, even though it's more recent. Um, Are you kind of, you know, in terms of working with the the the, the fabric of the building? The restraints again. There would have been. You can't just do what you like. No, but you don't. You don't want to do too much with those um, those beautiful spaces. So the, the ceilings here are, are three and a half to three point eight meters, I think, um, in, in in part. Um, huge northern orientation, um, all looking onto the park. It's it's the the, the light that, that that's you know that the space gets is is beautiful. So it's it's really about. Um, creating a magical experience for the for the clients um, with what's there and touching in, in this case touching the, the existing as lightly as structure possible. as lightly as possible and, and and highlighting the beautiful elements so there's there's beautiful steel columns um, uh, timber windows uh, a, 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 you know a beautiful ceiling um, with um, Oliver the, with your experience of working you've been in London um, with Sir Norman Foster. In Tokyo, where do you see Melbourne going? Because it's—I feel like it's—it's—it's 
it's not New York and it's not London, but it's getting bigger and we are bigger. starting to run out of great sites. Do you think we just have to be more innovative about where we build and think in a different way or do we have to reduce our expectations about not everyone having a back garden? Yeah, and I think we're already doing that. I think I think in some ways Melbourne Melbourne is is um is even leading the way and and and, and um I th- I think we do fairly you know a fairly good job a job of that. Um I I'd like to see people tell probably uh, certainly the development you know the developer um uh group development groups sort of taking more risks but because of the financial models behind um development feasibilities and the bank financing it's 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 all geared towards safety safety and that yeah. can be a bit banal and boring um mm. uh similarly with private residential clients i think people are often very concerned with resale value so it's a, rather a than rather than reflecting their own sort of desires and personalities yeah. um so i i think you know i I, th- I think as people get more confidence in their own ideas and their own identity i think that they they then project that onto mm. Onto their their architects or, yeah. or their designers. In, in I general. mean, you're only as good as your client, really. In many ways, yeah. Yeah. Um, and a good client, yeah, they push you. They yeah. they they push you to test more ideas and and give you more constraints to yeah. to. Well, look. Um, thanks for coming on the program today, Oliver. You're very welcome. Um, uh, look, it's interesting. You. You, you really, I, I, your CV is very impressive. I'm glad I'm not sitting next to you for a job interview because I don't think I'd get it. Um, but well done and uh, look forward to seeing more projects from you in the near future. Absolutely. Lovely chatting, uh, Stephen. Thank you. You've been listening to architect Oliver Dupuy. This is Stephen Crafty, Talking Design, episode number six. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>